0: Welcome everybody to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. We are less than 48 hours away from your Texans taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in the city of brotherly love at Lincoln Financial Field in a big one. Eagles 7-7 still a playoff hopes alive. Texans 10-4 with an opportunity for a bye week in the playoffs. A lot at stake this weekend. This weekend will go a long way in telling us and giving us an idea of what is going to happen in the future. A lot of games going on outside Philadelphia that will impact the Texans and the Eagles, of course. The Eagles keeping an eye on what's going on with Dallas, keeping an eye on what's going on with Washington. Everybody will be watching the Saturday night games. Washington goes to Tennessee. Then you got the Baltimore Ravens going to the L.A. Chargers. All of that has an impact on the game on Sunday. So plenty of things going on in the NFL But we'll focus on this one, the Texans taking on the Eagles. Not taking the cheese, I guess. we got to talk about it. But we got to talk about this game in particular. We are going to focus on that. So we're going to do that by talking to Christian Covington. Our Deep Slant Interview of the Week is a good one with C4. And he tells you where that C4 comes from. I had no idea. Christian Covington will join us for our Deep Slant Interview of the Week. Then I will give you my first Community Credit unique keys to the game. Russell Baxter is going to join us. Then I give you the Texans pick 'em. And then it's our players segment. We've got a little K Jack TV. We'll have a little get to know. And then it's the final word with Drew Doherty this week. It's Demarius Thomas. But we kick it off each and every week with some hot reads. And we always start with the head coach your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, who sat down with the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer earlier today.
1: Coach, do you think all the time that the guys have spent away from this building together, from training camp, even some of the guys last year, all the time you spent on the road, has helped them in road performances this year?
2: I think so. I mean, look, I think when when you go on the road, it's a very difficult challenge. Uh, You you know, you're going on a road this week against a team that won the Super Bowl last year that's a really good team. Uh, And so you have to have that mentality of once you get on that bus, get on that plane, this is all you need. You know, this is the mentality that we have. This is what we have. We don't have our fans with us. You know, we're in a hostile environment. So, you know, this is these are the guys that we're going to go to war with. And uh, it's going to be a battle. And I think our guys have uh, have understood that all year. It hasn't always been perfect, but uh, we've got the right team to be able to play on the road, I believe.
1: The way Philly runs the ball by committee, does the style change with the different backs? How yeah, do you address that?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think when you look at Josh Adams, I, I recruited Josh out of high school when I was at Penn State, so I've known him for a long time. He's a big guy. He's, uh, he's a powerful runner. He's uh, He's got good speed for a guy his size. And then, you know, then obviously uh, when they put a guy like Wendell Sw- Smallwood in there or they put obviously Sproles in there, it's a different deal. You know, it's more of a – a uh, quick guy, a smaller guy, a guy that's an uh, excellent screen guy, excellent draw runner, excellent and empty out of the backfield. So there's definitely differences in the skill sets.
1: How difficult was it to simulate what they do in the passing game with the limited body of work of Foles this year versus what they did with Wentz and everything?
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think it's very similar. You know, they're doing a lot of the same things they did with Carson. Uh, I thought our scout teams did a good job. We'll find out Sunday, you know, but I thought that our guys uh, did, a, did a good job of giving us the look that we needed. You know, it's never going to be exactly what it is on game day but 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 i feel like we saw the right picture and uh, hopefully that helps us on sunday
1: you preach ball security but also your drive start second in the league and defensive drive start second best in the league that's got to play into it as well right field position your performances this year
2: absolutely that's the that's the one of the formulas that's been very good for us there's other things that you know last week weren't good for us you know whether it was third down defense or third down offense but at the end of the day, we have played good field position football. We have played good complementary football. And so far, we've done a decent job of taking care of the ball and most recently taking the ball away. So, you know, that, that can win you a lot of games in the NFL, and, and hopefully that can continue on Sunday. All right.
1: Other than that, key factors in pulling one out against the Eagles? Look, I think, I
2: think it's going to be uh, an up-front type of game. I think uh, our, our defensive front uh, will come to play and, and, and they'll play well, and then our offensive line, they'll come to play, and then it's going to be a battle both ways. Their offensive line is very good. Their defensive line is very good. So it's going to be a battle in the in the trenches, and then I think when it comes down to special teams, you know, we've got to cover kicks well, and maybe we can steal a few yards in a return game, and that'll be big. I think going back, not to repeat, but 100% ball security and trying to take the ball away will, will always be a big part of the formula for us. Coach,
1: thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you, Vanny. All right, great stuff there from Coach O'Brien. appreciate him
0: for stopping by. Our next hot read is actually a little bit more sound, but I wanted to play this be the second I heard it. Tyron Matthew earlier this week went to speak to Marshall High School. Now Marshall's playing in the state championship game tonight. In fact, in about I think about 45 50 minutes. They're taking on Alito. Now Alito is one of the powers in Texas high school football. Marshall is taking him on. Marshall had a tragedy a couple weeks ago. They lost a tremendous player for them who was shot a safety and Uh, He was a tremendous player, but it really just kind of rocked Marshall. But they kept it together last week with a big win. Now they take on Alito for the state championship. Tyra Matthew went out to speak to the Marshall Buffs, and it is fantastic. I had to play this, and I figured right off the top would be great. So here's Tyra Matthew talking to Marshall High School, about to take on Alito in the state championship game.
3: to be here, man. Obviously, um, you know, I've heard about your your teammate and uh, I send my condolences to you guys. I lost two of my best friends, so, you know, I know what it feels like to to really lose somebody that you kind of grew up with. You know what I mean? So, but on another note, man, uh, just seize this opportunity. You know, like, you never in life really get a lot of opportunities to to really play for a championship. You know, I probably only had one chance to play for a championship. I've been playing ball since I was five, you know, and football is really my life. And, you know, it kind of taught me a lot about life. When I take the field in the football game, I always start with the end in mind, right? Like I take every practice, I take every game and I think about winning, right? Like I think about just making the plays and being positive. And it's kind of the same thing with your everyday life, you know, like every day you wake up, Think about the good things that's going to happen for you. And think about all the positive impacts you can make in your everyday life. Everything ain't always been what I wanted it to be. I've grown up in situations that was dysfunctional. You know what I'm saying? Like my father, he's in prison for the rest of his life for murder. I never really had a father figure. All the stuff that I've been through, I don't care if it was this year, last year, really, it could have been when you was four, five years old. You got to bottle all that up and channel all that stuff and figure out what you wanna do with it in a positive way. Everything you've been through, the good and the bad, like we gotta channel all that to get to where we wanna go and really find a way to encourage the person next to you. We really don't get to where we wanna go without somebody helping us. I'd never be a great player without my teammates. I can't do it for myself. Everybody in this huddle, each of y'all, stick y'all hand in the pile and figure out a way, how can I help my team? How can I make something bigger than me? Because the more you live in your life, you realize, like, life ain't about you. As much as you wake up every day and you want your life to be about you, it's about all the people around you and how you can relate to people. And if your experiences could help the next person. Y'all got everything y'all need to get y'all through this and for y'all boys to be champions. And, that, and that's really all it's about in life. You know, you just want an opportunity to be a champion at something. It could be anything. I just want to be a champion. So I salute y'all boys. I'm I'm rooting for y'all for sure, man. Appreciate you, coach. Yep.
0: Man, that is just tremendous. Man's been here less than a year. Look at the impact he's had on this town already. Man, I love that guy, Tyron Matthew, as he spoke to the Marshall High School football team as they get ready to play Alito tonight in the state championship, and what what a reward that would be for this football program to go win a state championship in honor of their fallen teammate, man. Just incredible and best of luck to them. okay, let's get into our final hot read, and that will be the injury report. All right, here we go. Oh, this one's tough. Mike Tyson will be out of this game with a concussion. He is the only Texan that is out. Questionable for your Texans. J. Joe, who went home sick today. Sunil Calamete, dealing with a number of different things. Both questionable. QT, Dunn, Hopkins, Miller. All questionable. Yes, DeAndre is questionable. Oh, It would be a tough go if DeAndre is unable to go. Lamar, I think we sort of assumed that maybe wouldn't be ready. A lot of talk about DeAndre Foreman this week, so... We'll see there. QT still questionable, but JJ and Sunil Kalamete, definitely two names that we got to keep an eye on there. But Mike Tyson is out for the Eagles. Corner Sidney Jones out. Guard Isaac Semalu out. Carson Wentz out. Questionable for the Eagles. DJ Alexander linebacker, and then these three pretty big ones: Michael Bennett questionable with a foot injury. Timmy Jernigan questionable with a back. Cravon LeBlanc dealing with the hamstring. He's the nickel and has been at nickel for the Eagles the last few weeks. So there you go. Out for the Texans, Tyson, questionable. J. Joe, Sunil Camete, QT, Brandon Dunn, DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller. Out for the Eagles, Jones, Simalu Wentz. Questionable for the Eagles, Alexander, Bennett, Jernigan, LeBlanc. So there you go. There is your injury report. And those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico 15 Minutes. Can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Coming up, it's our Deep Slant Interview of the Week. This week it's C4. You'll learn what that means next. Christian Covington with DB City right here in Texas Access. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. I am Santa Claus. Well, I wish I were, but I am Santa Claus for all the third, fourth grade teachers out there because I've got something for you. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toros Materials, presented by Conoco Phillips. Toros Materials is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to slash Toros to learn more. That's right. I got a bag of math tricks that I put into Toros Materials. And all you got to do when you come back from break in the second semester, third and fourth grade teachers, is queue up the Toros Materials. And you got math for the classroom. And you got football. I guarantee you there's a kid coming to your classroom after the break wearing a Watson jersey, a Hopkins jersey, a Watt, a Clowney, maybe even a Harris jersey. I don't know where you can find a Brown University number 24 jersey. There's only one of those that I know of, and you're not coming to my house to buy it. But maybe you find it somewhere. I don't know. But either way, I guarantee you there's going to be a football fan in your classroom, and you can help them out with Toros, Matros for the entire classroom. So there you go. Now, a guy that is really good with math and is really good with a lot of different academic subjects and is incredibly intelligent and one hell of a football player is Christian Covington. It's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week with DP in this week. DP sat down with one of our favorite guys in the locker room, Christian Covington. DP, take it away.
4: Joining me today, Christian Covington, also known as Christian Coral Cleveland Covington, do you know that's on your Wikipedia page?
5: Yes, I do. <laughs> okay,
4: I, I know you call yourself C4. I did not know that the C4 was literally four names that start with the C. Can I start with Coral?
5: Can you start with Coral? Yes.
4: Where did Coral come from?
5: So my great grandmother's, uh, my great grandmother on my father's side was named Cora, and so my parents just decided to add an L.
4: <laughs> okay, I didn't know if it was like a Vancouver thing. Like, yeah. It was like-
5: I have a lot of people ask me. It's like, so are you? You from Australia? You, around, you from around the reef, the coral reef? Like what's up? With, uh, my parents were scuba divers. Yeah, they no, loved, it's, they love the decoy. family name. Yeah, family name. They just decided to add a letter. Cleveland. Cleveland. That's the family name. So, okay. my grand, my grandfather was Grover Cleveland Covington. My dad's Grover Cleveland Covington. I was technically supposed to be Grover the third, uh, but my mom said no.
4: She's like, I'm shutting down my son. Yes. Me, Grover. Do you think you'll name your son Grover one day and make him? Before? I want to,
5: um, but again, that's I guess a kind of um,
4: depends on you. You only fifty percent of the decision in that one.
5: Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, <laughs> well, actually, with this, it might with the name like Grover, it might be seventy-five, twenty-five. I love the name. Uh, <laughs> But (laughs) I yeah uh, we'll see we'll see what happens in the future.
4: All right, year four for C four. How's it going for you (laughs) this year? I feel like you're one of the guys that we talked about a lot in the off season. A lot of guys in this building have changed physically. I remember John Harris and I were talking about you, and Johnny said, "Man, Christian looks really strong. He looks really strong heading into the season." Did you feel strong this off season? Were you doing? I know you were coming back from the injury. Mm -hmm. What was different for you?
5: I do feel strong. I did feel stronger coming in especially when you're having to go through, I mean, really what a lot of us had to go through last year with uh, the injury bug going around. Really, the one thing that comes into play is your work ethic that, you know, goes hand hand in hand with your rehab. So that was my main goal, uh, you know, entering this, you know, entering my fourth year that especially coming off injury, you know, I want to be able to pick back up where I left off uh, last season. Um, And I felt like, you know, obviously I've been coming into my own uh, as the years have gone by you know it's kind of crazy how it's already year four with this team it's uh it's been amazing uh and I feel like you were just a rookie yesterday it feels like too. it feels like my rookie year, it feels like my rookie my rookie year was literally yesterday it's um uh, it's just crazy so and i've I'm, I'm, I'm been i've been in houston for such a long time too so it just feels like you know i'm finally just like clicking and this year is finally just clicking for me i just want to be able to continue it and uh you know help this team whichever way i can
4: i feel like you had your coming out party versus tennessee that was a big game. Two and a half sacks, two TFLs, three quarterback hits. It's like you had a clear path to the quarterback every single play, and you were making plays. Did you feel like that was sort of a turning point for you, either in your career or this season?
5: I would say so. Um, you know that game itself. You know, obviously, you have to give credit to one of those sacks for JJ, just because. Oh, there is a yeah. story about that. Yeah, attack, that one. Right? Yeah, that one. That one sack. If, yeah, if JJ didn't do what he did, I wouldn't have been able to be a part of that. So, um, but other than that, just. I mean, it's just my men, my I'm mentality. Sure, I'm sure it goes both ways. It does, it absolutely. Goes both ways. Um, but at the same time, you know, I just to have to have a game like that. Obviously, as you know, it was you know a monkey off my back, so to speak, with regards to just being able to get that first sack of the season uh, out of the way, and I wanted to be able to continue it uh, from then on. But to have you know the rest of the game play out the way it did, you know, I just wanted to. Obviously, I was feeling myself clearly, and you know, the confidence is uh, confidence is a monster is, is a monster in this game. Um, but to be able to help out my team any way I can, you know, I was just a, overall just a great defensive effort from this team.
4: Confidence. It's so funny because I remember your rookie year, I think it was the fourth preseason game. I was taking over for John Harris on the sidelines, and either it was that game or the the one before you were talking about how nervous you were. Like, you, you were just panicking on the sideline. You <laughs> and I remember looking at your eyes. It wasn't the game that I was on the sideline for. The game I was on the sideline for, you had – like these intense, crazy eyes. Like you were just like so. Oh, that was that was preseason. Up.
5: That was preseason game number one.
4: Yeah, I remember <laughs> that because
5: my first play was a uh, hurry on Kaepernick. So it's like for that to be my first play was oh, like oh, it's like welcome to the league. It's like this is like you're in it and stuff like that. So yeah, rookie. Yeah, uh, shoot, four years ago. That, that was four years ago. Yeah, just a lot. A lot of things have changed. You're
4: so chill now. I mean, I'm sure I, you're not like that during the games, but it seemed like. You know, you've just sort of grown into this position. It
5: comes with the territory. It comes with being able to play this game for as many years as, you know, I have so far. Um, And, yeah, I mean, a rookie, I'm sure every rookie goes through that, especially during the, you know, training camp uh preseason games like you just you know it's a big welcome to the NFL
4: did you feel do you still feel a sense of nerves I know last year you missed some games with the injury but mm-hmm. the first game back or even some of the games where you were inactive and then you come back does it sort of reset a little bit like the nerves come back a little oh, absolutely bit
5: I'm I mean I'm, I'm not gonna say uh, nerves are there Um, obviously the butter everybody I feel gets the butterflies in their stomach and you know I get butterflies in my stomach every game and I feel like that's the greatest way to tell that you know you love this game still and that you're still, you know, you know, you still have something to give to the towards this game. So I mean that was uh that's always a great feeling and obviously having the I, I feel like the the nerves were there that first preseason game of this year because that was literally my first like, you know, game playing since the injury. Um but ever since then it's it's gotten it's subsided somewhat. Can we
4: talk about the D-linemen because I feel like you guys as a group are so much fun. So many cast of characters, and so then with An- characters. Anthony Weaver, I feel like you guys just have so much fun in there, and you guys are such a tight knit group. Like usually, we've talked about this before. Usually, you see it with O lineman, but because the O linemen are all sort of new, <laughs> and you guys have all been together now, yes. you guys, you guys are really, really tight knit.
5: No, we are. No, as you said before too, it's led by uh, Coach Weave. That man is, oh man, he's the best D line coach I've ever had. Uh He's a pl- obviously a players' coach, and when you have a players' coach that um, has played the has game, played the game yeah. it makes it that much more easier because you're able to see and get that extra perspective that you know maybe a coach that hasn't played the game you know d- can't really uh, give you. Uh, but so yeah, it starts with weave right there. But then you you just go down the entire list: you J J J D D J Brandon D J Dunny Angelo Joel <laughs> Carlos me. Like those are some characters. Uh, just to, to say the least. Um, and it's it's actually kind of crazy just because of how close we have become, especially this year. Um, because of the fact that technically this group has been, um, together for you know two, three plus years, which is uh kind of insane to think about when you actually you know think of the total what of eight of us, uh, in the room for you know at least you know starting off with one plus year. Um, so to be able to see how close we've gotten this season has been you know great and. Obviously, it's been translating to the, towards the field because you know everybody's out. Everybody who is given a chance to be out there, you know, they go out there and make plays. So it's uh, it's it's a fun group to be a part of. I wouldn't trade for anything else. You you
4: guys are so close that you hang out together even when it's not the season. Is it true that you were in a bowling league together in the off season? <laughs> yes. How did that go? I mean, you guys are very competitive. Very I mean, competitive. I it to go Very well. competitive. I'm not a good bowler, but bowlers but, are also very competitive. Oh, very. And that's their sport. Here's the thing, though. So you're the, not very good.
5: I'm, i I'm in the middle because at least like you know i might i might get a gutter ball like one or two frames but when i'm throwing it down and i i can't curve i can't spin the ball or stuff like you that need but you those when,
4: gutter guards is what you need not
5: necessarily <laughs> okay. i i i i take my i I'll, I'll put my pride aside, so to speak and i'll okay. you know I'll, I'll take it in the gutter ball every once in a while but when it's going down the middle oh it's strike <laughs> so but nah jj's good dj and um and dj dunny and brandon they know how to spin that thing and uh no they've been it's always it's always competition whenever they're they're up next um Jadavion he throws that ball so high up in the air and it comes crashing <laughs> down but it works floor. it works every time it's like i don't i don't get how you can strike like that um not going to say who's the worst i'm not going to put him on blast like that but okay. uh but it oh, any does, it doesn't matter with this group whatever we do off uh you know whether it's uh bowling uh whether it's you know pool volleyball whatever like that it is competitive and i love i love that group i love this group for it
4: i love your group as well i heard anthony weaver does a lot of fun things with you guys to help you learn he's got like a jeopardy day to sort of go over does he still do that where who told you that who told you though okay that's (laughs) well he he, he does a lot of things and it's it's all in learning learning absolutely the the position so instead of just quizzing you guys over it he does that his former teammate travis johnson said that when he watches the way you guys play, it mirrors how Anthony used to play when he was in the league. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched film of Coach Weave as a player? A little bit. A, yeah. a little bit. What do you think when you see him?
5: I see a powerful guy. It's kind of Do you see a reflection? I see a big I see a big are? I see him he might hate me for this but I see a bigger guy cuz that brother <laughs> he was big. Oh my goodness, compared to what he is well, now. Well, he's obviously not yeah, eating yeah. and lifting mm. as
4: as a D-lineman anymore. Yeah, we
5: make fun of him. We make fun of him all the time for that. So the do same. you do
4: you feel like it you're very similar in the style that he plays, or is this your own style that has evolved under him? How does I feel
5: happen? like any coach that has played the game is going to put their little twist and you know flavor on there with with regards to their coaching. Um, and it could be said for it could be said with Coach Weave too. You know, he's going to sprinkle in you know what he's done, what's made him what made him successful in the league, and you know what he's seen and being around other successful guys in the league. He's going to take all that and you know implement it into the way he coaches us and you know i've seen i've tried to and the way he's the way he's taught me like i'm a when it comes to me and my game i know what i know what best suits me so to speak but i'm all about you know taking in what other people have to say like that's what being coachable is about and uh, you see it from you know the vast majority of the guys in that room that we're all taking in um every little hint that he's given us over the years you know we you can see it in the film if you if you want to th- um, throw up a comparison film uh it's it, the proof is in the pudding with regards to that and I mean that's just a testament to the you know the success that he's had and the success that he wants to be able to b- have us build.
4: I see a lot of players when they're in the league they watch film of other guys that they sort of look to. Is there another player in the league that you sort of look to to craft your moves, to add to your arsenal that you feel like has a similar playing style to you or or is that guy even in your in your room already?
5: Are you uh obviously I watch JJ. Everybody watches JJ all the time. Uh as far as like D tackles go, you know I love uh no, obviously I I'm, I'm trying I'm still trying to get to that level obviously. Um uh, but I love I love watching film on Jerry McCoy. Uh, I love watching film on uh Aaron Donald. You know, he's one of the he's one of the best we've ever seen as far of as course, interior yeah. defensive linemen go. Um but th- those the, I say those would be my those would be my top 2 right now him and I love I love what gerald has been doing, you know, during his career at uh over at Tampa Bay. So, I love watching film on those
4: guys. I know you guys are playing the Eagles this Sunday. You're not on the field at the same time as that front, but how how many playmakers are on that front and and what what is that like when you see what they're able to do
5: um no it's it's uh that's that's a that's a line for itself to i mean the the talent alone you know you're talking Brandon Graham Brandon Graham you're talking Fletcher Cox you're talking Michael Bennett you're talking Chris Long you're talking uh Haloti Nada you're talking uh just <laughs> Fletcher the, Cox yeah uh, yeah the, yeah. the list, I know the list is endless, the list goes right? like the list goes on i'm just like it's kind of a crazy uh, defensive line, but uh, you know, obviously, you know from what they did last year and what you know, obviously, the talent that they have on that defensive line and that defensive front, um, it's it's incredible just to be able to watch film. You know, and obviously, you watch film on you know, you know both sides of the ball just to see what you know works and stuff like that. But uh, to see what they've been doing, you know, as a, as a unit together, uh, it's been it's been uh, incredible to watch, and that's a that's a group of pros right there. That is something else.
4: All right, since you've been in the league, the Texans have made the playoffs your first two years, just not last year, and then more than likely this year, too. How is this year different from the others, especially after the 0-3 start and then rallying back from that?
5: I've never been a part of a, you know, with my short time here, I've never been a part of a team where we've been this close, you know, you know, speaking position-wise, speaking unit-wise, speaking team-wise. Um, this team is really and truly bought in on the you know this concept and the idea of you know that brotherhood aspect that comes with football um and it's it could really be shown with you know the guys that we had and added you know via you know the draft or via free agency it was kind of seamless how they were able to integrate themselves into the team and integrate themselves into the into the you know obviously I'm biased you know the defensive in the defensive room and you know that's something i had' I've never seen before you know just being a, such a seamless and just easy you know transition, and that's really you know I feel like was what kept us going throughout you know the little adversity that we've had this season and this team is not no this team is this team is no stranger to you know adversity i've obviously never wanted to do on the past, but I mean the past is the past and you know you you learn from it and stuff like that um but this team is um this team knows how to overcome you know obstacles thrown their way and uh you know. If, I feel like if we didn't have that close-knit unit, uh, if we didn't have that close-knit feeling that we have towards each other and the love that we have for you know the brother to our left and the brother for our, to our right, uh, I feel like we wouldn't be in this position today.
4: All right, good stuff. We've had a lot of fun watching it. Hopefully it continues for a long, long time to come. I think since I've been here, this has been the most fun that we've had covering this team as well. So Christian Covington, best wishes for the rest of the season, and good luck.
0: Thank you. You know, I never put the C4 thing together either. Now I know, and now you know as well. Great stuff there from Cuff and also from DP. All right, coming up, we got our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game, and Cuff is one of those. As part of that four-man pass rush with Watt, Merciless, and Clowney, and Covington, boy, they're a big, big piece of this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll give you my keys next right here in Texans All Access. The Choose Fun Moment of the Week is brought to you by Carnival. Don't forget to enter for your chance to win a cruise every week if the Texans catch a touchdown. Carnival, the official cruise line of your Houston Texans choose fun. Last week against the Jets, some pretty fun moments, and I played a couple of them for you on Monday and Wednesday. I think this is a pretty fun moment as well.
1: 53-yard attempt, left hash mark. Wind, not much of a factor. John Weeks will snap. Daniel with the hold. The snap is down. Fairbairn's kick. Plenty of leg, and it's good.
0: There it is. Kymie Fairbairn, one of five field goals the man had on Saturday evening against the New York Jets. That is your Choose Fun Moment of the Week. Brought to you by Carnival, the official cruise line of the Houston Texans. Choose Fun fun. Okay, it's time to get into our keys to the game. First community credit union, first glance, keys to the game, FCCU, the official credit union of your Houston Texans. This is where I dive into all the things I think are going to end up being important in this game. And you know what I'm going to do? Usually I start with offense or defense. I'm going to start with special teams today. I'm going to give you one special teams key that is absolute in this ball game, Absolute. And it has to do with the particular player. Now I'm going to mention him when we get to our defensive keys. But in some way, shape, or form, Darren Sproles cannot hurt this game. In any way, shape, or form. And he can do it with returns. I'd rather Kaimi just bang it out of the end zone and be done with it. Do not give Sproles an opportunity. Just let the Eagles start in 25 and play defense. I know they've got a good kicker, Jake Elliott. He's knocked on some really important field goals over the last couple of years. But I'd rather them have to go the distance as opposed to giving Sproles the opportunity to take one 40, 50 yards and set them up in really good uh, scoring territory. Rather them have to go the distance as opposed to getting a short field. So Sproles is a problem. Do not kick him the ball. Just kick it out of bounds or kick it out of the end zone. Not out of bounds. Don't kick it out of bounds. Kick it out of the back of the end zone. Force them to take touchbacks. If he then does decide to bring it out from five, six yards deep, kickoff coverage has been pretty good. Let's stay solid with that. So, let's go with that. Now, let's start with the keys on the Texans' defensive side of the ball. Here's what we know about the Eagles, and then we'll get into our keys. Nick Foles will start at Quarterback. Other than that, I don't think there are too many changes up front. Stefan Wisniewski uh, has been banged up. But they've had Isaac Semalu in there. They've had some guys banged up during the week. But I don't think much is going to change. Zach Ertz is playing. Dallas Goddard's playing. The tight ends are a, a handful. you got Golden Tate, Elson Aguilar, and Alshon Jeffrey. Adams and Smallwood running the rock. It's pretty much the same group of skill guys. It's pretty much the same offense. With one big exception. Wentz out, Foles in. Now... There are some in Philly some around the NFL that say, well, right now, that's not a horrible change to put Foles in there. Look, they'd rather have Wentz. I don't think there's any question about that, but they have Foles. How are they different? I think Wentz throws a cleaner ball. I think Wentz is one to take a little bit fewer of the deep balls. Foles wants to throw the ball deep. I don't think Foles is as accurate in the short-to-intermediate passing game, but down the field he's nails. Now, Foles get some time to throw because that Philadelphia Eagle offensive line is very, very good. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey should go to the Pro Bowl. They're alternates. Brandon Brooks is going to the Pro Bowl. And Jason Peters is one of the best left tackles we've seen in, in the history of the game. And yet he was a tight end when he's playing at Arkansas. Now, that was many eons ago. But yeah, he was like a 310-pound tight end at Arkansas. Turn him into a left tackle, and the guy's been, I think, a Hall of Famer. So it's a really good offensive line. So what does this defense have to do now let's start with number one and these are in no particular order but just the way that I they just came into my brain number one the defense must understand that Zach Ertz is a receiver every time he's unattached from the line every time you got to treat him like a receiver not even a slot receiver a receiver so if that means Aaron Colvin if that means one of the corners another corner uh if that means Jonathan Joseph at times But that means Tyron Matthew at times. You cannot let him exist against a linebacker. I'd rather it not be against a safety either. I'd rather it be against a corner. But Zach Ertz is as good an athlete as there is at that position, and he will embarrass linebackers always and most safeties in coverage. If he's treated like a tight end, it's a problem. Now, he'll mix it up just because he knows he has to. But he's not a physical guy as a wide tight end. But they put him there just so you can't draw any tendencies from that. But they will split him out. And they love to split him out. And when they do that, the ball's going to him. He's got to be treated like a receiver. Number two. Defense must attack their running backs with more than just shoulders and hard hits. Must wrap them up. Wendell Smallwood will not go down. Josh Adams is playing for his life every time he's out on the field. You've got to wrap them up. Wendell Smallwood, the biggest run of the game the other day against the Rams, he got drilled by LaMarcus Joyner at the four-yard line. Guess what he did? Spin, walked in the end zone, touchdown. You've got to wrap their running backs up. Number three, speaking of running backs, and I don't even know if I consider him a running back, but running back is his natural position, I guess. Mighty-might triple threat Darren Sproles gives me nightmares. I'm just going to be honest. He gives me nightmares. I don't care that he's 80 years old. I don't care if he's been playing... you know, he played high school ball in the mid-90s, or so it seems. He's going to get the ball in third medium. Book it. Just lock it in. He's getting the ball in third medium. The Texans must solve that equation. Now, maybe that means some Dylan Cole, because I think Dylan Cole probably runs with the running backs a little bit better than anybody else. So Dylan Cole might see some time when Sproles is out on the field. Maybe that's an answer. I wouldn't mind seeing it as an answer. But Sproles is getting the football... When he's out on the field, and mostly he's on the field on third downs. He's going to get it. And maybe Cole is the one guy to stop him. But they're going to throw screens to him. They're going to swing it to him out of the backfield. They're going to do everything possible to get Darren Sproles the ball on third down. Now, he may not touch it but eight times total in a game. But like I said earlier, don't give an opportunity on the returns. And then whenever he's on the field on third down, he's got to be a key. you got to know he's going to get the football. You must know. Number four, and this is for the defensive backs. This is a tough one because, look, there's DeAndre Hopkins and a guy that can go up and make a 50-50 ball, 80-20 or even 90-10. And then there's a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey's 6'5", maybe even 6'6". He's 200 and about 230 pounds. He might be, as I said earlier, a biscuit short of 230. And he will go up and get the ball at the catch point. He'll go up and snatch the ball. Where the defensive backs can have some success, if at all, is when he is bringing the ball into his body. That's maybe about it. Because if he's going to catch it at the high point, defensive backs aren't getting up there. The tallest defensive back in the league is 6'3". And the Texans' defensive backs are six one, And Jeffrey's got four or five inches on them. So the ball's going to be up in the air. What they've got to be able to do is contest it when he's bringing it into his body. As he's trying to bring the ball into his body, that's when it's time to rake at the hands and try and knock it out of there. Because Foles is just going to throw it high. But as he's trying to bring the ball into the body, punch out it, punch at it, rip it out, do whatever. But at that point, yeah, it'd be great if they could go up and high point the football. But Foles knows he's just got to throw it up at a basketball rim because that's what Jeffrey's doing. He's just going up there and snatching a rebound. But when he tries to bring it into his body, That's where the coverage has got to take off. Look, Jeffrey is not going to run away from you. He is a long, loping runner. He is not a quick-twitch kind of guy. So you're going to be able to run with him. But what you've got to be able to do is contest that point when he's bringing the ball into his body. That's the only chance they have. And number five, and this was pretty interesting if you kind of love offensive line play. Against the Rams, the Eagles... You could tell the Eagles' offensive staff went into their meetings this week and said, we cannot let Aaron Donald wreck the game. 99 can wreck this game, we can't let that happen. And it was pretty clear that they wanted to take Donald away. So the Rams are, and the Rams used a lot of four-man line, even though they're a 3-4. They they're rushing a lot of times with, you know, their, de- their defense can morph into a four-man front pretty easily. When they were in a four-man front, which was a lot of the time, and Donald was lined up as a three-technique, they slid Jason Kelsey to his side all the time. And as a result, Donald did next to nothing statistically. But what it forced the Rams to have to do was win one-on-one with the two other defenders. So they had two rushers on two blockers, and those guys won the majority of the night. That cannot happen. If the Eagles are going to slide their line to Watt, which I would expect they're going to do, Then, who's ever opposite him? Who are the two best rushers? Maybe Clowney and Whitney? Those guys may need to be opposite of J.J. In some way, shape, or form. The one thing I don't think is going to be wise is putting Clowney and Watt together because now they can slide their line and play three on two with both of them. But I would imagine they're going to slide their line to Watt. They'll split it. They'll send three guys one side to the other. And when they do that, the two guys that are going against their two guys have got to win. They've got to win those one on one matchups or it's going to be a long night. All right, let's flip it over to the other side. Let's flip it over to the Texans' offense against this Eagles defense. This defense is led by Fletcher Cox in the middle. Stud, dude. Absolute football, dude. But the front is very, very good. Jalodi Nada is not quite done yet. Big dude. Doesn't do as much as he used to, but still athletic next to Fletcher Cox. Chris Long on the outside, Michael Bennett on the outside. They've got some guy, Brandon Graham, on the outside. They've got some guys that can play and can rush. They don't have a lot of just flat out burners off the edge. They've got some guys that are 265, 270, can rush from the edge, can, uh, can set the edge in the run game. They're very good up front. Linebackers, Gruje Hill, good, solid player. Not great? Good. Nigel Bradham, okay. Linebackers are just, I think, are, are a bit above average. Secondary has been, uh, they've been hit pretty hard by injuries. So they're playing some young dudes back there. So how are you going to move the ball against them? Well, if you want to run the ball, and the Rams did have some success running the ball, and early on they had some success with letting the Eagles' aggressiveness, let that work against them. They let the Eagles come up field, boom, then they hit them with traps and some whams. Where they invite the defensive tackle up and bang, and they hit them with a tight end or they trap them with a the guard. They had some success with that. Not as much success with the run game or even power game, but some traps and whams. They had some success with. Number two, take the profit. Because that secondary is not as strong in the back end, the linebackers are dropping a pretty significant distance to try and help out that secondary when they're in zone coverage. And the Eagles don't like to bring a bunch of five- and six-man pressures. They just let their four guys eat. Now, they'll do some things up front. They'll do some, you know, even tackle-tackle-twist, lose some end-tackle-twist, lose some things like that. But for the most part, they want those four guys to rush, and everybody else is dropping Take the profit if it's three, four yards, take it. Do not take the hits. stand it back there. Number three, the rams seem to have more success spreading the field as opposed to using condensed formations. Now, the rams will use condensed formations a lot, and what I mean by that is they'll have their 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 tight ends and wide receivers all jammed in to a narrow space because then what the rams like to do is then kind of shoot out from that. But it worked kind of against them, for whatever reason, against the Eagles. The Eagles kind of swallowed that up. But when they spread the Eagles out, now it really took that secondary and stressed them and put a lot of stress on them. And I think that's where they can have some success is by using some spread formations. And that was where Deshaun had some success the other night. Spread them out, give opportunities for guys to win matchups out wide and get rid of the football. Number four, and this has to do the secondary as well, inexperienced eyes in the secondary will lose tight ends and receivers with play action misdirection. Saw this on uh, actually two plays I remember for a fact. Nickel, Craven LeBlanc is still new to the Eagles system. And you could tell he was kind of eyes in the backfield, still inexperienced. He's a good athlete. I studied him a few years ago for the draft. I really liked him as a nickel. And I think he's going to be a good player. But he's inexperienced. And they still have got some inexperience back there. Vontae Maddox is a rookie at corner. Russell Douglas, I think, is in his second, third year. So not a lot of experience back there at the secondary make them pay with some play action and maybe misdirection. And like I said before and last key, there won't be a ton of blitz pressure, but the front four can take over the game if allowed to do so. So if that means you've got to block four with five or six or even seven to keep them out of there and let Deshaun have some time to throw, you've got to do it. Now the last one I would put in there is more a key as opposed to the, just the Eagles themselves, and that is run the football. This may be a game where one and two yard gains early on mean you got to stick with it. you got to keep them honest because I think the play action, the misdirection, end up being big against this secondary and these linebackers later in the game. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union. First glance, keys to the game. FCCU, the official credit union of your Houston Texans. we got one hour down. We got one hour to go. We're going to kick that second hour off with our good buddy Russell Baxter, NFL analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at @BaxterFootballGuru, at NFL underscore Vibe, side at NFL Spin Zone. Russell gets it done. He's with us next, right here at Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and pleased to be joined by my weekly guest. He's joined me every single week. For these five years, he's the absolute best. You can follow him on Twitter, at Bax Football Guru. Also, follow at NFL underscore vibe. And fan-sided, NFL Spin Zone. Russell Baxter knows the NFL better than anybody, and he's about to prove it. Not that he needs to, or not that he wants to, but just because we're talking ball. Russell, how you doing, my man? Gee, I don't know. How am I doing, So, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> I know you're do- I know you're doing well. It's that time of year. It really is that time of year. And Russell, appreciate no, you being on.
6: Yeah, it is that time of year. I was just that was in rebuttal to knowing everything. So there are <laughs> there are times I don't know something in terms of what is going on with this wacky season. It was another week of head scratchers, um, and more so than anything else, John. Um, and and this has kind of been a, a problem with the league the last four or five years, just in games in general. Um, I think it's time that we replace Roger Goodell with Mariano Rivera, because it doesn't seem like anyone knows how to
0: close anymore. It's a good point. It's It's a really good point. Not only closing games, but closing seasons. And Russell, I did this the other day on Twitter. I just got to thinking about some of the things that I had seen. And I started with the Raiders, and I did this full loop of the transitive property of every team in the league beating every other team all the way through. That's just kind of the the way this this year has gone. It's been really odd. And you're looking out in AFC West, and you've got the Chargers at 11 and three after the win. You've got the Chiefs at 11 and three, and the Chiefs have been atop the division. But one of them they got they're tied for the best record in the AFC, and one's going to be the champion of the division and more than likely get a bye. and the other one's going to have to play on the road on Wild Card weekend. It has been that kind of year. And at that point, Russell, there's two games left. The Chargers play the Ravens and the Broncos. The Chiefs play the Seahawks and the Raiders. Who do you think comes out of the AFC West as the winner and presumably the first or second seed in the AFC?
6: Well, we know, or, I, you know, we know, in me and you talking all year how I felt about the Chargers all season.
0: Right, yep. Um,
6: and I could definitely see. Both the Chargers and the Chiefs taken on the chin this week as well. Seattle has squandered, one of the teams that squandered an opportunity to get in the playoffs last week. Um, uh, that running game, the league's best running game against a Kansas City defense that is suspect 26th against the run, 31st overall. Uh, one way you keep Patrick Mahomes from not throwing in more touchdown passes and to keep him on the sidelines. Yep. Same thing with Baltimore. Baltimore um, and the second rank. Running game in the league, a little different than Seattle's. Seattle has been less Russell Wilson and more stable backs. Um, it's been Gus Edwards and and the quarterback Lamar Jackson when it comes to Baltimore's running game. But um, I, I just like the way things line up uh, for the Chargers. I thought what they did last week and just another big road win, John. You look during this stretch since they were one and two, they're ten and one, and those wins have been at Seattle, at Pittsburgh. At Kansas City, uh, you know, some I've heard some people make the comparison or, or the, um, the reference to the fact that well, no wonder the good char- the Chargers so good in the road they really don't have a home stadium and maybe <laughs> there's something to that, um, because they don't I mean you know they they, they play their home games obviously a very sparse crowd and so on but um, I just look at this team all year and playing the first half of the season without Joey Bosa and playing a bunch of games lately without. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Gordon's expected back. Keenan Allen looks like he's probably going to play. They won't have Austin Eckler, it doesn't look like. Um, but they're balanced. Um, Gus Bradley's defense has been impressive as well. Uh, I, I think somehow it's going to be the Chargers. And, you know, it, it harkens me back to the year the Tennessee Titans were 13-3 and in 1999 and were a wild card to the 14-2 and Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, we know how that all turned out.
0: Yes, we do because the fourteen and two Jaguars lost both times to the Titans, and then lost to them a third time. I was living just across the river from at the time. I think it was Altel Stadium. I don't know what it is what it was then. It was a long time ago, but I remember that game distinctly because we were in a void here in Houston with no team, and I was living in Jacksonville, so I just latched onto the Jaguars, and they lost all three times that year to the Tennessee Titans. Speaking of... And it was the only
6: team they lost to all year. They were 15-0 against the rest of the league, including that 62-7 win over Miami in the playoffs. That
0: was amazing. It was an amazing season. Speaking of Houston, though, Russell, Texans go up to take on Philadelphia, and Philadelphia had, you could say, maybe its most impressive win. I don't know if that's maybe the way of saying it, but going to L.A. without Carson Wentz, knocking off the Rams, scoring 30 points in the process... Now Philadelphia still has life. Now it's dim because Dallas, because of the two wins over Philadelphia, has the tiebreaker. Washington gets a win at Jacksonville, so the Redskins are still in the mix. But, Russell, this feels like a very dangerous Philadelphia team still, yet you look at them and go, it's not the same team as last year. I'm not really sure what Houston's walking into on Sunday against the Eagles. But i got a feeling this one is going to go right down to the final gun. How do you look at this one, Texans and Eagles?
6: Yeah, no, this is uh, obviously Houston's got a chance to wrap things up. And, you know, I'm a big believer in champions until dethroned, and it's been a very uneven year for Philadelphia. They've only won two games in a row twice all – I mean, once all year. Um, you know, more than twice as many losses as the season ago. Uh, to me, this is less about Nick Foles and whether their their defense and their running game can step up. Um, I think it was easy to run the ball against the Rams. I don't think it's as easy to run the ball against the Houston Texans. So that's definitely something to to keep in mind. But um, their defense has been up and down all year. It's been spotty. Um, I think it can be exploited in the secondary as it has all year. What, you know, It was only a couple of weeks ago that Dak Prescott threw for 455 yards mm. um, against this team. So um, Houston's been pretty solid. I know they stumbled lately. Um, the home loss to the Colts, but they're still 10-1 and one in their last uh, 11 games following that 0-3 start. Yes, this is a dangerous football team in the Philadelphia Eagles. It's also a Philadelphia team that's been mediocre, to say the least, this year.
0: Russell, go back to that Rams game on Sunday night. The Eagles get that win on the road and I remember after 54-51 everybody, not named you and me, Everybody said, that's football, just end it right there. That's the best football game we've ever seen. We're never going to see football ever better than that. And yet, from that game forward, the Rams have not played very well at all. They did not play well uh, even in a win over the Lions. They did not look good, obviously, the other day against the Eagles. They just don't look like the same team that was rolling off wins to start the year. What, in your opinion, do you see with the Rams – And do you think it's something where they can get back on track as they start heading into the playoffs?
6: Well, uh, let's take it even a step further for one second, John. I don't think the chiefs have been the same since that game either.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Um,
6: You know, I mean, and Patrick Mahomes with the five turnovers and so on, but you know, they lost at home for the first time all year. Um, You know, they struggled with the Raiders um, over the last couple of weeks. They won 40 to 33, but um, you know, I think a game like that takes a lot out of you, but you know, People with this idea that that is the modern, that's like saying, and see, and I'm bad with other sports. And so what was the Wimbledon match that went forever? Oh, uh,
0: I know you're you talk talking about. Referring to? Yeah, I uh, John Eisner was one of them, and I can't remember who he, yeah. he who he went against. So in but, other
6: words, that was the greatest tennis match, I guess, ever, right? Right, because
0: it was the longest, right?
6: Yeah, because it was the longest. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> get- the Rams have been a flawed team in this regard. Even going back to last year, their defense is not – and it's strange because it's Wade Phillips, of all people. Um, The dominating defense of the Broncos in other years with other teams and so on. Um, I know we've done this number before from a year ago. 48 sacks, 28 takeaways, 28th against the run. The Rams this year are 20th overall in defense, 21st against the run.
7: Um,
6: Getting the takeaways again, 26th. Okay, but it's hit or miss. Um, You know, Aaron Donald's having a phenomenal year, but it it sounds like a broken record. You can't sack the quarterback if the running back has the football. And I think the Rams offense has been taken, been taken out of rhythm the last couple of weeks. I don't think there's any question about it. I can even go back further to the games where they beat Seattle. Remember when they beat Seattle both teams this year? Seattle scored exactly 31 points. And in both of those games, Seattle abused them in terms of running the football on them. So you get down the stretch here where people are, are really emphasizing the run. And I think the Rams have been taken out of their element a little.
0: I, I agree. That did not feel like I was watching the same team from earlier in the year. I mean, even in – and I got a chance to watch the, the Rams-Seahawks. I think it was a bye week for us, one of the games. I think it was the one in the Coliseum. And I got a chance to watch that game, and I thought, wow – Yeah, they gave us some points, but boy, their offense, holy smokes. The other night, I did not feel like I was watching the same offense. There's there's no question. And a team in which the offense could look different in some way, shape, or form going forward, I'm not totally sure about that because we've seen a lot of iterations of the New England Patriots, Russell, over the years. We've seen uh, Tom Brady with a lot of different wide receivers at his disposal. This year, they went out and got Josh Gordon because they had nobody out at receiver that was doing anything before Julian Edelman got back. Rob Gronkowski is banged up. He continues to be banged up. And now Josh Gordon is lost for the year. Russell, how do you think things change, if at all, in New England for that offense as they get ready to face Buffalo and New York down the stretch?
6: Well, listen, the Bills have a pretty respectable defense. um, And it's played better after kind of a shaky start, which a lot of their shaky start had to do with the um, the problems at quarterback and turning over the football as well. I mean, they began the year with Baltimore and the Chargers, yep. and, uh, were really embarrassed by both of those teams. Um, they can rush the passer. New England, you know, you know where New England is hurting the worst because you talk about all the skill positions. They're not as solid in the trenches as they've been over the years. Yep, um, they lost two offensive tackles. If you remember, this offseason mm-hmm. wasn't it just Nate Solder, but Cameron Fleming. As well, went to the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Um, Their defensive line wasn't top notch to begin with last year. That's why the Eagles were able to run for 164 yards um, in the Super Bowl. So um, this is still a league about the guys up front. And those guys up front have to protect Tom Brady, and those guys have to give him enough time to throw the ball downfield to Josh Gordon. It was a really odd lost for them at Pittsburgh last week, to think that the first time they got the ball and within a couple of plays they were in the end zone and the fact that they never got in the end zone again was a little miss. This is the time of year we're expecting New England to surge. And it's kind of the opposite. Does that mean their season is done? Hardly. I mean, you want to go about, you know, putting somebody out of their misery. You, it, I think sometimes even with the clock zero 0 you're not sure if the New England Patriots have actually lost the game. Yep. They're never say, never die. So I'll be curious to see how it all turns out for them. Um, and I think these next two weeks, even though they're home against Buffalo and even though they're home against the Jets, I think they're going to be a little bit of a struggle. I think there's the way they lost to Miami and the way they, for you know, it's funny. Go back to last year when Pittsburgh played New England and Pittsburgh kind of panicked yep. down the stretch. Um, you remember they had the Juju Schuster play and then the Jesse James play. And then, you know, he tried Ben Rothers tried to force the ball in the end zone and it got picked off. You remember that, I'm sure.
0: Yep, of course.
6: To me, from long range and Tom Brady throwing the ball into the end zone the last couple of plays, the
0: Patriots looked panicky last week. It's a great way of putting it. I, I kind of felt the same way. And, you know, of course, here in Houston, you just think, man – of, that win for Pittsburgh was huge because it moved t- the Texans into two seed. Now obviously they gotta they gotta stay there with two wins, but just to see New England that way has been a little bit disconcerting. But Russell Pittsburgh got a massive win. They needed that win, but now it's New Orleans in the dome. Do you give them a shot? New Orleans favored by about a touchdown. Do you give Pittsburgh a shot of repeating what they did last week against the Patriots against the Saints?
6: Uh, If Pittsburgh runs the football like they did last week, even though the Saints' run defense is top-notch and and giving up the fewest rushing yards. And listen, don't be fooled about the Saints' defense. Six games in a row held an opponent opponent to 17 points or less. Since that 45-35 game, John, um, in which they beat the Rams, they've given up 74 points total in their last six games. That's a little over 12 a game. So um, that Saints' defense. But I think you can go at the Saints. I think teams, um, if, if you're going to beat Drew Brees and keep their offense off the field, again, running the football. You want to talk about mystifying? Last week was the first time in five games that the Pittsburgh Steelers totaled at least 20 running plays.
0: It's amazing. You, you, wonder,
6: what, you wonder how stagnant they've been offensively and how mistake-prone that they have been. Um, no, I think they get very – listen, it's going to be a fast game. It's going to be, a, I think, a high-scoring game. Um, but no, I think Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has proven they're more than capable of beating and losing to anybody. Um, they're inexplicable sometimes. But how ironic would it be if they had that three-game losing streak and then turned around and beat the Saints and the Patriots and the Saints in back-to-back weeks?
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, they lost the entire and, AFC West, it seemed, and then they turn around but, and beat the Patriots and now got a shot against the Saints.
6: Well, I think what's but I'll, and I'll tell you what's going to be really interesting. You already mentioned the Chargers Ravens game. That's Saturday. Yep. Okay. So Pittsburgh is going to know if they real because if if Baltimore wins and don't rule it out, and Pittsburgh loses to New Orleans, suddenly mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is going to need help just to get in the playoffs.
0: Yep. Boy, that's huge. This that is huge. And I love this time of year, and I love talking to my man Russell Baxter because he just proved what I said at the beginning. He knows the game of football in the NFL for sure. Russell, you are the absolute best, my man. Thank you so much for joining me.
6: You got it, sir. Merry Christmas, by the way.
0: Happy holidays to you as well, Russell. And, of course, to all of you out there as well. Have a safe and happy holiday season. When we get back, it's time for my picks. Texans pick them next. I pick them straight up and against the spread right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst, and sideline reporter. And it's time to play Texans Pick'em presented by Train. You have a chance to win great weekly prizes like autographed items, Texans tickets, or even a cruise. And all you have to do is download the Texans mobile app and you can play now. When I do my picks for Texans Pick'em, I have a little land yap for you, as Mark would say, a little extra because Texans Pick'em, you're just picking straight up. You just, this team wins, this team wins, this team wins. I do mine against the spread make me special, but it just gives me an opportunity to talk about the teams and the games that are coming up. And when you get to week 16, a lot of these games have a connection or an impact on one another. But you got 16 games, two Saturday, one like last week. We played ours in the afternoon, then Broncos and Browns were after that. You've got two on Saturday, you got 13 on Sunday. Luckily, we're part of the Sunday crew, and then we've got one on Monday night. Man, Denver has had to play on Christmas Eve or Christmas night for oh man they've had it the last few years and they got to play on Christmas Eve night either way 16 games and we got to pick them all now you know how I am with the Texans I don't I don't pick that one heart and head they conflict and I don't think they conflict on this one but they have at times and I just can't pick that and I'm not going to so I leave the Texans out of this I'll let you Texans fans decide what you want to do Philadelphia's a two two and a half point favorite started as a pick them Philadelphia's up I knew that would happen I knew that would happen. I knew early money would go to Philadelphia. Uh, no matter what. Philly's playing at home. They're desperate. The Texans, I don't want to say they're desperate, but they gotta win these two to get a bye. So there's a lot of a lot at stake for both teams in this one. Regardless, I won't pick that one. We'll leave that one on the wayside and let you pick that one. So let's get started. Saturday at three thirty. The Washington Redskins go to Tennessee. Now, here's as we've talked about this a little bit throughout the week, don't want to belabor the point, but the Texans can win a division this weekend with a win or a win next weekend. Tennessee needs help. Indianapolis needs help from both Philadelphia and from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the flip side of that is if Tennessee loses and Indy loses, then the Texans have the division no matter what happens. Tennessee's a a 9.5 point favorite at home. That's coming off a really physical win in the rain last week against the New York Giants. The Tennessee Titans are very good at home. We've seen that. The last time at home against Jacksonville on Thursday night, they throttled the Jaguars. They beat the Eagles at home. They beat the Patriots at home. They beat us in Nashville. I think Tennessee's going to win this game. But as a a nine-and-a-half point favorite, I'm not sure I'm buying that. Washington still has something to play for. In fact... Their chances are probably a little bit better than Philadelphia's because Washington beat Dallas, whereas Philadelphia was swept by Dallas. So a Dallas win eliminates the Philadelphia Eagles. A Dallas win doesn't ultimately eliminate Washington unless Washington loses. And I think that's going to happen here. I think Washington does lose. But Washington is going to get inside that 9.5-point number. That's a little bit rich. I Again, you know how I feel about Tennessee. I think it's a good team, not a great team, and I just I don't get the love that they get a lot of times. So to me, yeah, it's an 8-6 team, to be honest with you. So they're a nine and a half point favorite. I'm not sure I'm buying it. I'm taking Tennessee to win, but I'm taking Washington to get inside that number. And then this game is hugely important, and I'm very conflicted on this one. Baltimore travels to the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are 11-3. Kansas City's 11-3. They're tied atop the AFC West. They split their matchups. The final two games will determine who wins the AFC West and who then has to be a wild card. Well, that's tough. They got, they're tied for the best record in the AFC, and one of them is going to be a wild card. This game against Baltimore is going to go a long way towards that. Now, if Baltimore loses the game, then the Texans have a playoff spot locked up no matter what. Now, whether it's the one seed, the two seed, the three seed, or the six seed, they have a spot locked up before they even take the field on Sunday. I don't think that's what they're playing for, obviously. They're playing for a lot more than just a spot in the dance. But that will ensure the spot in the dance with a Baltimore loss. I think that'll happen. I think the Chargers playing at home, they're only a a 4.5-point favorite. Only 4.5 points at home. Now, they don't have much of a home field edge, but they are taking on the Ravens, a team that has rushed for over 200 yards about five times, I think, in the last six weeks. They've been crushing it on the ground. large part of that is Lamar Jackson. But I still think the Chargers, coming off the mini-bye, getting some rest, I think they're going to beat Baltimore, and they're going to uh, go one step further to locking up the AFC West. And what makes it tricky for Kansas City is Kansas City, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, Kansas City goes to Seattle. Goes to Seattle. Now, Kansas City finishes with Oakland, and the Chargers finish with Denver in Denver. So it could ultimately flip yet again. But as this one-game situation goes, I'll take the Chargers to cover that four-and-a-half points and win outright, obviously, against the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, with the Baltimore loss, that'll put Indianapolis right in the playoff mix. Now, let's get to our Sunday games. Atlanta goes to Carolina. These two teams seemingly out of the playoff mix. Carolina's going to start Taylor Heineke. And I think Taylor's going to do a decent job. But I think Atlanta's going to go get that win in Carolina. Carolina is a beaten-up football team. Cam Newton, obviously, the the biggest factor in that. And I do think Taylor will play well. But I think Atlanta's going to go get that win. Carolina's favored by 2.5. We're going to take Atlanta with the mild upset for the win and the cover. Minnesota goes to Detroit. Detroit is a a 5.5-point dog at home. That's about right. Minnesota still has playoff aspirations. And if they can start playing better at this time of the year, with Kevin Stefanski now as the new offensive coordinator, you never know what could happen in the playoffs. They've been there. They've done that. I think Minnesota's going to win this game, and they're going to cover that 5.5 on the road. Green Bay and the Jets, both teams eliminated, playing this one for pride's sake. And the Packers are favored by half a point. Half a point. The Green Bay Packers are favored by half a point at the Jets. I think Green Bay gets this win. I think the Jets played above their pay grade, if you will, last week against us. We let them at some point. Either way, the Packers are going to get that win and beat the Jets on the road by more than a half point. I guess the only way you lose that is if it's a tie. Did that happen? I don't know. Green Bay is going to win that game on the road. The Giants go to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is favored by nine and a half points. The Giants didn't score a point last week. No Odell Beckham Jr. again, or at least that's the way it appears. I think the Giants will want to run Saquon Barkley, throw him the ball. And the Cowboys had chances early against the Colts, but couldn't take advantage. The Giants defense is not in the same league as the Cowboys defense. And that, and they don't even have Snacks Harrison. So I think the Giants are, boy, they're going to, they're going to play hard. They're going to give everything they've got. But I think the Indianapolis Colts will cover that, stay in the playoff race. And with Baltimore's loss, I think Indy will move into spot number six in the playoff race. Tampa Bay goes to Dallas. I think Dallas will win this game. Dallas is favored by seven and a half. Offensive line is beat up. Xavier Shufield is going to be back. But he's going to be playing with a really bad eye. I guess he got poked or hit in the eye. And he had to leave that game, and that was disastrous for the Dallas Cowboys. Tampa Bay will play hard. They'll put some points up on the board, but Tampa Bay will do Tampa Bay things and give this one to Dallas. But it'll be close. So take Dallas to win. Tampa Bay to get inside the 7.5. Jacksonville and Miami. This one's big for Miami. Jacksonville's just playing out the string, hopefully. Miami's favored by 4.5. I'm going to give them that win. I think Jacksonville will play all right. I think they'll play physically. Miami will bounce back at home. They'll get the win in the cover of that 4.5. Buffalo goes to New England. We're cheering like heck for Buffalo. But it's not going to happen. Josh Allen has seen the Patriots for the first time in Foxborough. The Patriots got rocked this week with the Josh Gordon news. But I don't think it's going to matter. New England's favored by 12.5. I think they win that by a couple of touchdowns. Patriots over Bills for the win and the cover. Cincinnati goes to Cleveland. Now, at what point in the past how many ever years did you ever see Cleveland as a a 7.5 point favorite on anybody? But that's what they are. Cleveland is a a 7.5-point favorite over Cincinnati. I think the Browns win. I think Cincinnati will get the cover. I think Cincinnati with Jeff Driscoll showed last week it's not ready to die. They battled against the Raiders. They put up some points. Joe Mixon has turned into one of the better running backs in the league. I think Cincinnati keeps it at least close and gets inside that 7.5-point number. So give Cincy the cover, but give Cleveland the win. The Rams... They've got to bounce back. They're taking on Arizona. is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Hearing rumblings out in Arizona, Steve Wilkes may not even make it past this first year. The Rams have got to bounce back in some way, shape, or form. Jared Goff has struggled lately. But if he gets it turned around, and I think he will, they'll beat the Arizona Cardinals by more than 13-and-a-half. Give them that two-touchdown win. That's a cover. Rams to win and cover over Arizona. Chicago still looking to move up now. Their situation with New Orleans 12-2, and two, Chicago could get, I believe, to the two seed. They need some help from Arizona. They're not going to get it. Chicago's got to go out to San Francisco and play a team in San Francisco that has not quit. They are battling hard for Kyle Shanahan. It's not a great football team. They play hard. I don't know it's going to matter against Chicago. I think Chicago is going to get this win over San Francisco. The Bears are favored by 3.5. I think they'll cover that. San Francisco will keep it within 10. But I think Chicago is going to go get that win. It could be kind of ugly, kind of 23-13 kind of game. But the Bears are going to turn Nick Mullins over with that defense. Chloe Mack's going to get back to the quarterback because he's back in the Bay Area. Chicago gets a win and a cover over San Francisco on the road. And then the late afternoon game that will have everybody's attention. Pittsburgh goes to New Orleans. Now, I mentioned earlier... If Baltimore loses, the Texans lock up a playoff spot, no questions asked. But if Baltimore wins, then you still got to, you still can get there with a Pittsburgh loss. Now last week we needed Pittsburgh to win. This week, I don't know if it matters whether Pittsburgh wins or not. If Baltimore loses, that'll you know that'll get the Texans in the playoffs, but if Baltimore wins and Pittsburgh loses, the Texans get in. A Baltimore loss or a Pittsburgh loss or not and or gets the Texans a playoff spot locked up. This one, I guarantee you people will be watching throughout the country to see how the Steelers stack up against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are only a a five-and-a-half-point favorite in the Dome. I don't buy that. In the Dome, I think over anybody, New Orleans should be at least a touchdown favorite. So I'm taking New Orleans to bounce back with more points. Not saying that they're bouncing back from a loss, but last week, Monday night, 12 points, that's it. But in the Dome, different story. Alvin Kamara on that turf. I think Pittsburgh's going to struggle with him and with that offense. I think they'll get Kamara more involved. New Orleans is going to get the win and the cover over Pittsburgh. That'll give losses to Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Make Baltimore eight and seven. Pittsburgh will be eight six and one. And it'll come down to the final week to see if if Baltimore can ultimately catch Pittsburgh for the NFC North title. Kansas City that takes on Seattle Sunday night. Seattle's favorite, excuse me. Seattle's a dog, two and a half points at home. Here's one thing to note about Russell Wilson though. He doesn't lose to AFC teams. But he did earlier this year at home against the, the LA Chargers. Had the ball near the goal line, last play, knocked away, lost the game. This time, I think they get the win. Seattle gets the upset at home over Kansas City. The Chargers beat the Ravens. The Chargers move into the number one spot in the AFC West. Oh my goodness. Yes, I just said it. Seattle get the win. In the cover, they will upset Kansas City. And playing in Seattle, it's a, it's a mild upset. But Seattle's going to get that win. And then Monday night, Oakland taking on Denver. Both of them just playing out the string. It's in Oakland. I think John Gruden will have them playing a little bit better than they did last week against Cincinnati, the Raiders. But I I don't know. I can't trust Denver. I don't trust Oakland. So I flipped a coin on this one, and it came up Oakland. I don't know if that's good or bad. But I'm going with Oakland to cover. They're a two-and-a-half-point dog at home let go to Oakland to get the outright win on Monday Night Football. Christmas Eve, Monday Night Football. The Raiders and the Broncos, two teams out of the playoff race. Yeah. TV ratings could be struggling on that one. But there you go. There is your Texans. Pick them straight up and against the spread from yours truly. All right, we get back. It'll be our players segment. We got a little KJAC TV. We got a little get to know. And we got the final word this week with Demarius Thomas. That's all coming up right here on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of Texans All Access before we head to Philadelphia in the morning for a game with Philadelphia on Sunday. The Eagles 7-7 and at Lincoln Financial Field. They've been very good this year, as you would expect a really good team to be. And hopefully, we're going to go there and get business done. So we got a lot to do. And in this final segment, we turn it over to the players. It's the players' segment. We're going to get to know Sunil Kalamete. We're going to have the final word with Demarius Thomas, but we will kick it off with a holiday edition of KJAC TV. That's right. KJAC TV brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticcoolers.com. Arctic Coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. Kareem? We back. We back. We back. We back. Saying we back. We back. We back. Oh.
8: I'm Jack of Klaus, and we're back with the Christmas edition. Scott, got Whitney Merciless,
3: Lambo Mack, Joel, which teammate owes you a present? b Mac. He owe me a Lambo. Everybody call him Lambo, so he owes me a Lambo. Man, most people ask for sugar, man. Most people ask for hot sauce. You want a whole car? A whole Lambo. Let me rip it down the street a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Which, which teammate owe you a present? Everybody on the defense, especially the uh, D-line. Why? Because last year I bought them J's, this year I bought them bags. I need something nice. So, you want something in return? Yeah. Well, when you being nice and you're just giving gifts to
8: others, you shouldn't expect anything back. You ever tell to- anybody ever tell you that?
3: I think you heard my feelings, man. Oh, that's easy. That's Lamar Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going <laughs> to discuss his business, <laughs> right, but when you <laughs> see him, just make sure he take care of me when Christmas time come around. He owe me a big gift. All right, Lamar, you hear that? You see this, you <laughs> owe Joey a gift, and we want it. John Weeks.
8: Okay, why does John Weeks owe you a present? Because we're going to beat him in the bowl game this, this year, so he's going to owe me a present
3: after that. So you're already calling I'm it. I'm calling it. Vandy over Baylor. Which present would you get racked? Right? A division hat.
0: Mm-hmm, Playoff okay. division Ooh. hat. Okay. He, that's he that's like to add another uh, hat
3: to his collection.
0: That's a good one. Rack. Rack.
3: We might to get a, a new pair of knees. <laughs> <laughs> Rack.
0: Rack. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Rack. 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 It wasn't me. Instant laughs. Instant laughs every single time I listen to K Jack TV. But you got to watch it. Go to HoustonTexas.com, or if you got it on the mobile app, you got to check out KJAC TV. It's fantastic because you're going to see Justin Reed in an elf hat. You see Joe Webb in an elf hat. It's absolute fantastic stuff for the holidays. All right, let's get to know Sunil Kilamete. Drew Doherty did that earlier this year. This is great stuff. And let's just say that uh, these two singing frosts, is snowman, not a great thing.
7: with the beef up front, Senio Kelamete. It's time to get to know him. It's all brought to you by IW Mark Senio. How are you liking Houston so far? I'm loving
8: it, man. Um, I love the, the variety of food out here. I mean, obviously I'm a lineman, so I'm gonna go out and, and test out all the food that y'all got out here. Um, you know, y'all got the sushi, the tacos, the barbecue, uh, the turkey legs, I mean, everything. So I'm, I'm loving it out here.
7: I'm glad you brought up food because I had a question asked about you. You brought up the good stuff. Let's talk about the bad stuff. If you have to eliminate one food and no one else in the world can eat it for the rest of eternity, what are you eliminating? You can say say whatever, because the food can't talk back.
8: I'd say uh, vegetables. Honestly, I don't care for vegetables.
7: Wow, you just cut a wide swath there. All vegetables? Ah, uh, broccoli. broccoli. Broccoli? Okay, okay, really broccoli. broccoli. Not even with the cheese on it? Not even with the cheese on it. Maybe maybe it. With, uh, with like a drenched all over ranch on it, maybe I'll eat it. Ranch does make everything better, you're yes, right. Okay, last question. If you could choose one celebrity to be your best friend forever, who's your celebrity gonna be? Celeb BFF.
8: Oh, man. I have to go with The Rock.
7: The Rock? I like Yoko.
8: funny guy funny guy you know uh I like his movies and, you know, he's uh, he's half poly, so, you know, we've got some. You have a shared about. heritage, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So. A
7: similar kind of tattoo on your own, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he's a, that's a talented person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can do it all. He was a great football player mm-hmm. at the University of Miami. Hell of a wrestler. Now he's a big star. Yeah. Probably going to be a president someday, right? Hey, I'd vote for him. Yeah. Oh, anyway, he's going to be your best friend, so you got to vote for him, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I said that was the last thing, but this is the last thing. What's your favorite Christmas song? Favorite Christmas song, you know. Don't? I don't, you know, I don't know, I just,
8: I do like the whole Christmas theme and everything, but I never really had a favorite song. What
7: about uh, Frosty the Snowman, you like Frosty? Frosty's cool. Let's sing it together and we'll, we'll go. One, two, three. Frosty, Frosty the Snowman, that's all, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. That's all I do. good to Thank see you, you man. Too. Have a good cool right, one. Man. Thank you. Good stuff. Don't
0: worry, Sunil, that's pretty much all I know. And I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I don't sing on the air. Frosty the snowman has a jolly, happy song. I don't remember much. I don't. Re- I mean, if I hear it, I probably know the words, but to sing it without the word, I have no idea. None whatsoever. All right, let's give the final word to Drew Doherty as we do every single Friday. He catches
7: up with one of the players in the locker room, and this week it's Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas, mm-hmm. wide receiver for the Houston Texans. First things first. So you've been here about a month or two. How are you settling in on the field? I mean, you made some plays each week. You made some big ones at the end <laughs> of the Jets game. That was pretty fun, huh?
8: Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to go down on the winning drive and, you know, finish the game like we did. Uh, that was a big win for us. a learning win, but uh, a good win. And
7: it's fun to see you and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's quite a one-two punch tandem there. How cool is it to be around a receiver like that, a quarterback like the one you have in Deshaun Watson? You know, it, it, it's, it's very cool, you know. and I've
8: been around the game a long time, and I'm used to, like, you know, just being at one place, and now i come here, you know, be around D-Hop, Deshaun, as, especially as a younger quarterback, you know, to see a guy like him, how he plays, and take control of the game, take control of, you know, the huddle, to be the leader he are. And then you got D-Hop, Mr. Magic Man, uh, whatever <laughs> you want to call him, just go out and, you know, just outrage his plays you done saw him make throughout you know his career and on TV but to do it you know side by side with him you know in practices and game day you know it's a totally different level and it's uh, you know you just got to respect it, respect it respect it every week because the work they put in you it, it actually pays off no it doubt just a talent
7: yeah. yeah and you bring up your time in the league is it Invigorating to get to play with a guy like that at quarterback. Yeah, because you yeah, played with—I mean, one of the best ever. For real though, for real though, it, it
8: kind of brings out a you know another spark in you. Mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know if it's a you know more of an alert spark. but like you know you try to bring your you know you don't change your game, you continue to your game. You know my game was you know running routes and you know doing screens or whatever you want to call it, but uh, you know it brings out certain sparks. You know just being around him. You know some of the things you like, you do stuff different than totally anybody ever has. So adjusting to those things are you know always new, but the stuff that I had to adjust to has been fun. Yeah, you know, and exciting. So it helps.
7: Sparks in your game. What are what are some different ones right now? Some different ones in my game right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean because your game doesn't change too much, like you mentioned, um, but you bring up sparks. Sparks for me, well, basically right now
8: is just taking advantage of my opportunities because I'm new to the system. It's just learning and doing what I can at my best ability. So. You know, my sparks is making those third-down catches or making a big block for that run can go, you know, 15, 20 yards or even, you know, 70, 80, whatever it got to be. Those are my sports, uh, making sure everybody is playing fast and alert at all times.
7: Got to be fast and alert against this team coming up. The Eagles, very good defense, that defensive front, wow. Something to, to behold. What's the biggest challenge, though, for you guys as a wide receiver core against Philadelphia, though?
8: Like I always say, you know, take advantage of your opportunities. You know, you got another opportunity to go out and do what you do best
7: or whatever you like to have fun at.
8: That's catching the ball, lining up right, lining up fast, but also, you know, blocking. You know, that our thing is we're going to have to read the coverages on alert because they throw a lot of stuff at you. It's playing fast. But be decisive for the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands because their defensive line is good. They get to the quarterback. They do a lot of different things to try to take – do different th- types of s- schemes to try to, you know, mess up your game so your timing is off. So, you know, we got to watch more film and be alert because this this is like a championship. You know, they still a Super Bowl – they're rom- defending the Super Bowl champions. And from the last game I saw, they're they still playing like it. Yeah. And – uh. Our thing is that receivers, you know, when we call it on the block, we block. Uh, when it's our chance to go make a play, we make a play. But be alert at all time and um, do whatever we got to do each and every play to help our squad
7: win. It's a huge game. Uh, you just bring up there the defending Super Bowl champions. They have a hell of a lot to play for. I mean, they basically have to win if they want to keep playing in January. Yeah. Same for you guys. I mean, the Texans exactly. have not clinched a playoff berth despite being atop the division, despite being number two in the conference. Mm-hmm. Monster matchup. It's a
8: big, big matchup. Like I said, it's like a championship. Both, yeah. both have we got to win and get in. They got to win and get in. And if we don't, is you don't know what's gonna happen for neither one of us. So you know we're gonna go out and put try to put our best ball out. We've not had throughout the season from offense, defense, and special team. I don't think since I've been here, we haven't played our best ball all three phases. So you know our main focus is be alert this week. You know do your job at the best ability, but try to go out on Sunday to have that best game so we can put ourselves in a good position to try to get that by all that playoff bur.
7: and that's got to be exciting you say you still haven't put it all together at once yet you guys have won 10 of your last 11 i mean that's that's got to be exciting because when you know it's possible that you can put it all together you can
8: put it all together you can get the run game going you can yeah. get you know you can it, it's so many things you can throw out there and say we can do better but our main challenge is to go out and continue to do what we do you know we're gonna fight for 60 minutes and it ain't gonna be the prettiest it might not be it might not be the prettiest you know you never know We're going to keep playing to 60 minutes to try to get that W at the end of the game, and that's all that matters. And I know the guys that's going to be left and right to me, that's what
7: they're going to do on Sunday. That's the prettiest part of it, getting that W to Thomas. Thanks so much for the time. Best of luck against the Eagles in the rest of the season. Hope it lasts a long, long time. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely love that guy and love having him in this building. He is a tremendous professional and has been a big factor in this offense from the day that he got here. And it's a big one on Sunday for him, for this entire offense. They've got to go to Philadelphia and get it done. I, sh- I would think 29 points does it, but maybe not. This Philly offense can put some points on the board. They put up 30 on the road on the Rams. They can be inconsistent, but you know they're going to put up somewhere in the 20s. So the offense has got to take care of business. This, If it follows the Eagles versus the AFC South thus far this year, it's going to be a nail-biter all 60 minutes. The Colts went down to the final minute. They beat the Colts 2016. They lost to the Titans in Nashville 26-23 on the final play of the game. The Jags were driving on the final play of the game in London, and a final fourth down in completion gave the Eagles a six-point win. Given the way the Texans have played on the road, given the way that Eagles v. AFC South games have gone, this should be one that goes down to the final play. And hopefully when all is said and done, your Texans will walk out of there with the very first win in Houston professional football history over the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, that would be nice. That would be nice. A lot of people to thank for today's show. D.P. Sidhu, Christian Covington, Bill O'Brien, Tyron Matthew, my man Tyler Suddarth who sent me that video and filmed it out at Marshall High School. Good luck to the guys at Marshall. Got to thank Russell Baxter. Got to thank Drew Doherty, Sunil Calamete, Kareem Jackson, Demarius Thomas. But mostly, I got to thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys. If you're in Philly, come say hi. If you're not, you're watching the game, enjoy it. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.